Welcome, everyone, to an all-new episode of the Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. As always, I'm your host, Joel, and joining me, my partner in comic book crime, it's Matt. How you going, Joel? I'm doing all right. Uh, we Before we got started, Matt regaled me with his Dental Chronicles. Apparently, he's also had a tooth out uh, this week. Yeah, I had one of my back teeth removed, and yeah, it didn't need to be removed, but the de- dentist said that the way I I like chipped it, when I was out for my birthday, he said he couldn't really do anything with it, so yeah. You said he was surprised. You said he generally was like, how the hell did you do that? Yeah, yeah, like the, the way he chipped it, it's kind of hard to explain, but it was like chipped on the back, uh-huh. so you couldn't it, like get round to it because wow. of like where, where it is in, in, your, in your mouth, so he couldn't really do anything with it, and he's, he was like wondering like, how the hell did I manage to chip the back of my tooth? Th- that's never a good thing when a dental professional, or any medical professional for that matter, comes in and asks, how did you do, I, I, I am at a, I went to school for this, and I am at a loss, sir. <laughs> you should have just made up a crazy story, like, oh, I was biting the head off chickens, you know? Yeah, I got into a biker fight, and <laughs> one of them stabbed me in the mouth. And... <laughs> That's what happened, yeah. You know, I was I, I was too busy swimming in my champagne pool, and I uh, totally chipped it, jumping off into my Scrooge McDuck money bin. <laughs> you know what that's like, don't you, doctor? I, I swear, I don't know what it is with all of us people on comic YouTube all having tooth-related problems in the last little bit. I swear to God, some black magic practitioner has it out for all of us. Yeah, someone, uh, you said some gypsies didn't like us uh, giving a kind of negative review on <laughs> Batman versus Superman. <laughs> That's what Zack Snyder's done. Zack Snyder has reached out to everyone in the Warlock community and been like, deliver a curse to these people. <laughs> There's just some voodoo Papa Shango guy who's shown up at the Warner Brothers lot and it's like, wait, w- w- what did you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> Look, we have a list of names right here. What's the uh... cheapest, most effective way to curse these people? <laughs> and and that conspiracy theory is slightly less crazy than the actual conspiracy theories out there concerning Batman it v is. Superman. It is. I, I don't know what it is about those movies that seem to attack you know attract the tinfoil hat Alex Jones community. I know it's it's really weird. It's just those movies as well. You don't only hear it those. for like Marvel movies or like the Fox movies or the Sony movies. Mm-hmm. It's only the heck you don't hear those for any movies except for these. No. You, no, you no. don't hear Adam Sandler or Transformers movie fans going, ah, oh, there's a conspiracy against our films. Can't you see? Yeah, the, there's a Seth Rogen conspiracy against my comedy. Dude, imagine a Seth Rogen conspiracy. I want to write that movie, the Seth Rogen conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Seth Rogen, you know, sitting smoking a bunch of pot with that laugh of his. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that Seth Rogen even makes fun of that laugh. And what was that movie? This is the end. He meets a fan at the airport. And he's like, "Do the laugh. Do the Seth Rogen laugh. <laughs> what laugh? <laughs> I don't have a laugh." <laughs> uh, we love you, Seth Rogen. You're a Canadian treasure. Is what we're trying to say. <laughs> so this is going to be a different sort of show, people. We don't really have a ton of news this week, but I figure what we do have we can talk about, and we can also use this episode to do some housekeeping. I know a lot of you were asking us on Twitter what we thought of the Star Wars Rebel season finale, so we're definitely going to talk about that. Uh, I know I've talked Daredevil to death elsewhere, but Matt really hasn't gotten a word in Edgewise about it, so I'm going to let him talk about that when we get to it, and we'll be back to our standard what comics did we read this week. We know there hasn't been a lot of that going on because of movies and spoiler casts and all the other stuff. 
So I guess we'll start right with uh, Rebels. They had their finale this week, and by God. It was it was pretty amazing. It was the Empire Strikes Back for Rebels. Oh, it was definitely was. It definitely was. Just everything. It was an extra long finale too, which I appreciate that they gave them like an extra ten twenty minutes. Yeah, no, and really, it needed it as well for everything that happened in this mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Totally did. Uh, this episode saw the return of Darth Maul, which man, what a weird and interesting history Darth Maul has had in the expanded universe from, you know, being a greatly underutilized character in one of the most hated prequels, having so few lines, to actually being brought back in Clone Wars and kind of being given this prominent role to, you know, uh, having his brother killed in one of the comic tie-ins to now showing up here all old and shit. Yeah, it was really great. I really liked him in this as well. He was great. He was really cool. I like that they built him up as this dark side wild card where he's like, yes, I believe in the teaching of the Sith. Yes, I am a dark side practitioner, but I hate Vader and I hate the Empire and I especially hate the Emperor. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that also goes into like the his comic tie in the Sons of Dathomir where like the Emperor was like torturing him and everything and mm-hmm. in like this castle. So he really hates the Emperor for that as well and for amassing all this power for himself as well and not yeah. sharing it. Yeah, he's he's got a hell of a bone to pick with all of them, which I think is quite interesting that, you know, he's, he's not on any one side. And what, man, did I never think I would see the moment when Jedis and Darth Maul teamed up to fight Inquisitors. I know, that was so cool. Yeah, and like, obviously Ahsoka, because she's had dealings with this dude, she's like, nope, nope, not not having any of this, not not trusting this dude. Yeah, yeah, that was great. He's he's aged pretty gracefully, Darth Maul, hasn't he? I don't know how uh, Zabrax aged, but man, he uh, he aged pretty good. He's pretty spry for a dude his age. Yeah, well, I, I don't know how long after, like, that Sons of Dathomy book where we last saw him, this takes place. It'd be a couple of years. It's got to be like 15 years, right? Like, like how old is Ezra? Uh, I don't actually know. Because you figure he was born on Empire Day, ironically the same day Luke was born. He's got to be like 14, 15, so you got to figure it's been like 14 years. Yeah, so he, he's been hiding out, I guess, on Malachor this whole time, maybe. <laughs> he's just been down there in the catacombs in his robe, just, you know, just counting the counting the rocks, just waiting for this moment. <laughs> any day now, any day now the plot's going to find me again. <laughs> not a, not only is he back, but uh, David Filoni, Fillion, whatever his name is, the, the head producer of this and producer on Clone Wars, has said not only is yeah. Maul back now, but Maul is going to be a major player and major villain for season three. Yeah, at the end of this episode, he escapes. Yeah, which I did not expect him to escape. I thought this was going to be the swan song of Darth Maul. I thought they were going to kill him at the end of this, and that would be, like, the end. Yeah, well, I kind of thought, like, that little Ez- uh, Kanan and Maul fight that they they were teasing in this uh, after Kanan got blinded. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought that was, like, going to be him, like, killed and everything, finally. Did uh, did you catch the... I'm sure you did. You caught the nice piece of foreshadowing that when Kanan gets blinded, and, like, we don't mean he got blinded for the fight, like, literally he got his eyes burned out of his head. Yep. Uh, he picks up a mask belonging to a temple guard, and in the previous yep. episode, he had had a vision about the temple guards and the original Inquisitor, and then he puts on the mask, and it's like, oh, wow, they had foreshadowed that all the way. Yeah, that was great. That was an amazing touch. Did you also catch the owl at the very end of the episode? I did, I did, yes. Was it the previous episode? And I'm like, oh, wow, what a nice, like, uh, what is it? They're bringing these two together. How cool was that? 
Yeah, also, people have been, like, speculating that that owl is also... I don't know whether you remember from Clone Wars that uh, Altar of Mortis arc where they go to that planet and there's, like, the dark side gods and Mm. the light side gods. People think that it's that light side woman. Mm, Interesting. Because she could transform into, like, a bird-type thing. Right. So people think, and it was the same sort of color scheme as well. Oh, I might have to go back and watch that now. But I think obviously the thing that everyone took away from this episode, and how couldn't you, the long-awaited, long-fan-awaited showdown between an adult Ahsoka and Vader. Oh, that was so cool. The, the fight that you knew had to have happened at some point in history, and yet they had never shown it to you in anything except for right now. Yeah, it was great. What I it was everything I wanted it to be. I know I always uh, hearkened it to uh, old Obi Wan meeting Vader in A New Hope when it's like you know when I left you I was but the student now I am the master. Yeah, and now it's kind of like the other way around. Mm-hmm. It is the other way around, only with the added caveat of Ahsoka going you know I am no Jedi. Yeah. Really nice touch, and for a second, for a second there, she breaks open the mask, and you see you see Anakin's face for just a second. I know, that was great. Uh, oh, that was so so good. much about that, just giving you chills. The only thing that would have made that better, and I'm surprised they didn't do it, but maybe in the end it's good they didn't, is that they didn't just straight start playing uh, Duel of the Fates or whatever. They kind of do like a remix <laughs> of it with like Vader's theme from the show and Ahsoka's theme from the show. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. You got to save Duel of the Fates for later. Yeah, I think they'll probably save that for, like, a more Kanan round two. Mm, oh, God, yes, please. Oh, and have him be cut in two again. How great would that be? Oh. <laughs> Maul, not again. <laughs> <laughs> Always with this crap. <laughs> and then Kanan can have something to hold over Obi-Wan. It's like, yeah, you know, you kind of killed him. I really killed him. <laughs> oh, that'll be great. Man, those, uh, those poor Inquisitors didn't last very long, did they? Fifth brother and seventh sister. No, them and their helicopter lightsabers. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's the one thing that's kind of silly for a minute, where they're like, boop, 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 we're helicopter. Uh, it was uh, like where, they, where they're like coming into the battle from the background. <laughs> oh, fucking hilarious. Like everything about that episode was super serious and super in your face. Then whoop, 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 helicopter. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's nice they're using their lightsabers for different things. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, just, yeah, freaking, uh, I I kept waiting for it. I kept waiting for the moment where it's like, okay, so this is going to be an episode we're going to see from the Inquisitor's point of view, and we're going to see what the hell their deal is and what their organization is set up like. They haven't done it yet. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm uh, keeping that little bit of mystery. Air of mystery, for sure. What uh, Dave Filoni was saying is that next season, because they're getting so close to A New Hope and Rogue One, the Inquisitors aren't going to appear in it. That much anymore? I think no, there's, I guess they said, there's gonna be maybe one more. Right, because yeah, because you have to figure it was like a whole class of them. They killed the Grand Inquisitor, the boss, the first time around. And I had yep. assumed. I don't know if they ever said it in the show, but I know they said it in interviews that uh, fifth brother and seventh sister were fighting so hard because whoever could get the Jedi's would be made the new Grand Inquisitor. Yeah, yeah, and I guess there maybe will be like one more who. I guess now is the Grand Inquisitor. Just by just by default, because everyone else yeah. is fucking dead. <laughs> uh, I, I like it too, we saw a generic Inquisitor man who just has a helmet. Yeah, I remember I watched the Rebels Recon after this episode, and Dave Filoni actually had 
like a the race and everything picked picked out for him and everything and it's not hinted at in in the movie in the TV show or anything. It's like, oh yeah, he's this race and this race was seen in this Clone Wars episode. I'm like, God damn it. Yeah, I mean, you know he's a nerd that he gives so much, you know, like he thinks about it so hard. Yeah, it's great. Also, too, he continued in that, I think it was in that same video, he gives more insight into uh, the Grand Inquisitor and saying, well, actually, as far as I'm concerned, he's that guy who grabs Ahsoka in that episode. That's that's him. Yeah. So there you go. That's that's canon now from the man himself. Go, go back and watch that episode. That's, that's the Grand Inquisitor, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome little tie-ins. Mm-hmm. Oh, cross lightsaber while we're talking about tie-ins. Yeah, yeah. The, the, again, Filoni said like he wanted to put one of these in as sort of like a hint for The Force Awakens and, and also like the past of the galaxy and everything. Um, so, yeah, he said like that's like a Jedi's lightsaber. That's what they used back in, you know, 2,000 years ago or whatever. <laughs> So what we're really trying to say here is Kylo Ren is just a giant lightsaber hipster. He's like a guy who uses a typewriter. He uses like a really <laughs> old-timey lightsaber. This is the Jedi equivalent of growing an ironic handlebar mustache, basically, using that kind of lightsaber. All, all the other Dark Force users kind of laugh at him behind his back because of it. That's what it was all about. Uh, geez, what else can you say about this episode? There was just so much cool shit from start to finish. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Chopper had a lot to do as well. He did, Chopper continuously has a lot to do. Like, man, he just puts 3PO and R2-D2 to shame and just the amount he does. Yeah, and, and, and he just, like, kills motherfuckers left and right. He does. Like, I've said it, and it's true. The robot has the highest body count of any rebel in the show. Yeah. He don't give no fucks. He doesn't give no fuck. I like, too, in the previous episode, the mystery of Chopper Base, where they kind of build up to this idea where it's like, oh, the, the crew of the Ghost is breaking up. They're not going to be together anymore. Yeah, I, I think they they probably will, but they... They I will think, like, now, but some, for a second. Some will stay together. Like I think Hera and Kanan will stay together, mm -hmm. and I guess Ezra as well. Yeah, but I think, like, Sabine and all that probably go, like, back to Mandalore or something. It, it's interesting. They kind of had, like, their last hurrah, and they had, like, this moment of fear where it's like, you know, can we continue to keep doing the way we're doing if we break up, if we lose Kanan and Ezra? And they, they even tried it out in that episode where it's like, okay, Jedis go with Jedis, Rebels go with Rebels. Yeah. And it, it, it's interesting for, you know, Kanan to be like, you know, it's, it's not my war, it's not my battle, I have my own war and battle, although obviously later, as we'll see in A New Hope and everything, your battle's one and the same, but okay. <laughs> shit, shit, even later in Force Awakens, when uh, Maz is like, well, actually, it's all the same war, the battle between the darkness and the light that's been waged forever, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, such a, such a cool episode, I'm so glad there's going to be a season three, I can't wait to see... Where they take up, what would you want to see from season three? Because we've seen so much in season two. Um, I don't know. I'd like to see because in in at the end of this episode, it sort of hinted that Ezra might be turning towards the dark yeah, side. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, so maybe like he's getting like secret training from Maul, like through the Force. Wouldn't that or something? be something? That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it's like he's having his own Anakin moment there where it's like, you know, I, yeah. I, I'm tempted by the dark side. What do I choose? Yeah. It, it, it's quite a thing, too. Ezra finds himself in a crappy situation because it's like, obviously, Kanan is his friend and wants to teach him as much as possible. But really, Kanan has reached the end of what he can teach him because Kanan was only half trained himself. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's basically playing it by ear, basically. He is, and as they showed uh, earlier, too, when they were sparring, they were basically on even footing by the end. Mm, yeah, yeah. The, the bit that got me and the bit that made me go, aw, is when uh, Ezra gets his lightsaber smashed. I know. Yeah, he's going to get a new one. I completely forgot about that. Because they built that lightsaber up and how important it was, where it's like, you know, this is the first lightsaber made in so many years, but even more so than that, he made it with pieces of material given to him by everyone on the go. So he was kind of carrying his new family around with him everywhere he went. And like, it was more than just a lightsaber. It represented something. And I thought that was so amazing that they built so much character into what is just, you know, a weapon. I know. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see, like, I guess how they build on that Mm -hmm. maybe with like his next one or whether they'll just like, not worry about it. Yeah, if he'll build another one, or maybe Kanan's like, well, my eyes don't work anymore, Ezra, so here, take mine. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? That would actually be pretty cool as well, as sort of like a like how Luke's like, uh, Anakin's lightsaber gets passed to Luke, it'll be mm-hmm. Kanan's lightsaber gets passed to Ezra. I think that would be a nice touch. I think the next season will have to be a lot of, uh, like, torch passing, because they don't have, like, the cool older characters anymore to help uh, to help lead the way. Yeah, and also I'm, like, wondering, like, what exactly is going to be happening with these guys as, like, Season 3 becomes closer towards Rogue One and A New mm-hmm. Hope, like, what's going to happen to them? Because I think, I think uh, like, the guy who's in charge of, like, the, the story group or whatever they call it over at Lucasfilms, I think he said that uh, Rex, the, the old clone, is the guy at the end of Episode 6 who's, like, with the rebels on Endor. Mm, so at least I think we know who what happens with him, but we don't know what happens with everyone else. I would I would love it if some characters from Rogue One uh made it into uh Rebels or vice versa even. Yeah, it would be interesting to see that. That would that would really canonize the freaking show in a, in a major way if like Blind Kanan was walking around in the background or like who's that? Ah, that's just Ezra. Yeah, well, well, in like Rogue One, there is a character who is blind. Interesting, but but it's it's not Kanan. Aww. There's there's a lot it'd, of. Blind. It'd be interesting if like he appeared in the show or something. That would be cool. That, oh, wouldn't that be something? Kanan's blind now, so he needs to learn to be a blind badass. So he goes to that guy to teach him. Yeah, no, that that's like uh, as I said in my review of it. Um, uh, the cool thing about that is that. Jedi, because he's been through some Jedi training in, like, the Jedi Temple and everything, they they learn to use every other sense besides their sight. That's where they use those, like, helmets that blind them. Yeah, isn't there a race anything? in the Star Wars universe that's a blind force race? I think so, yeah. I mean, and, and then I'm Luke, going by Luke Old Republic. They were in Old Republic. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know which ones you're talking about. The green guys. Yeah, and then, like, in A New Hope... Luke uses that helmet that blocks his vision to do the lightsaber training. So Kanan's already got sort of it down pat and everything. So Kanan was already a badass smuggler pirate Jedi. Now he's daredevil smuggler pirate Jedi. (laughs) That's how cool Kanan was. You blind him and he gets even cooler. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, that's that's Rebels. Rebels is freaking awesome. I love what they're doing with that show. I can't wait for season three. Man, it's a good time to be a Star Wars fan, isn't it, Matt? It is. It's so cool. Our love is coming back to us. Uh, I guess another thing we can talk about, this uh, This kind of came out this week. It was kind of a leak, but it kind of wasn't. I know everyone was tweeting to me about it. Uh, 
because Justice League versus Teen Titans came out uh, on digital, I don't know if it's out on DVD yet. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not out on DVD yet, but it is out on iTunes and such. People got the, uh, like, next, like a sneak peek at the next DC animated movie, which is, of course, going to be Killing Joke. I know, it looked pretty awesome. Oh, so you did watch the sneak peek. Good, that was going to be the next question. I did, I did. Yeah, man, they, they really are coming at this story with a lot of revenants, as they should be. I know, and and they're not they're not shying away from anything in it. No, either. no, no, no. They definitely said if we were going to make it, we needed to tackle the very harsh, very ugly subject matter that is at the core of it. So they're going to do it. Yeah, that's going to be great. We 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 already got a clip there of Commissioner Gordon somewhat naked, uh, with a bondage collar and a bunch of uh, little people, circus folk, uh, uh, hitting him with cattle prods. So I'm like, okay. Yeah, I'm down. I'm, I'm down. down. I'm down. I'm down for this party. I, I've been to this party before. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. Uh, the the cool thing is they said is there uh, when they were talking about it, Bruce, Tim, and everyone else involved. They said one of the hardest uh, hurdles for them to overcome was trying to adapt the Brian Bolin artwork. Yeah, I could understand that because it's so super realistic and super literal. I think they found a nice little compromise. Yeah. It- the, the the art they're doing in the in the in the sh- in the movie doesn't it looks similar to like some of the other stuff they've done with animated movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's still yeah. animated, but it's evocative of the comic. Yeah, yeah. It's evocative, and I mean, uh, just how great is it to hear Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy saying those famous lines? Oh, it's so good. It really is. I I like Hamill's. Like, no, I won't do the Joker again unless you do Killing Joke. Then I'll come back for that. <laughs> <laughs> This, this I think, could really be the cherry on the Sunday that is their performances as these characters. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah, definitely. And, I, and it's also good because I guess this is going to be their last official, quote-unquote, turns as Batman and Joker. Well, Hamill and Conroy are coming back for that Justice League action, so it's really not. I kind of feel like that is something like they signed the contract for this, but then and they in the small print, it's like, you, must, into it. you must be in Justice League action. And they're like, ah, crap, fine, we'll do it. Uh, another interesting thing they said about, and I think that this is a change that could take it and turn it into a real classic, and that is uh, they've actually created a prologue for the movie that will focus on Tara Strong's Batgirl. And they said, you know, we really needed to reinforce her importance to the Bat family, to Batman, and to Gotham before the horrible stuff that happens to her happens to her. That's pretty cool. It's a good idea. It's a really good idea. Yeah. It's something that's not there in the original text, and yet, you know, for a movie, I think that's the perfect way to go. Exactly. Because if you just give someone a copy of The Killing Joke who doesn't know the long, intricate history for Batgirl, I mean, they'll feel bad, but the punch won't be as bad as it is for a comic fan, so I think that's a great idea that they're like, you know what, we're going to get you up to speed before we do it. Yeah, it's good, because I, I can see a lot of people who haven't read the comic maybe picking this up because they think, oh, wow, an R-rated Batman film, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And animated, so they can go a little bit further. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. did, did you see that uh, Justice League versus Teen Titans? I did, yeah. Wasn't too bad, was it? It was all right, yeah. I thought it was, it was a bit better than the last couple of animated films. It been. was like obviously it's not it's not like a Wonder Woman. It's not an Under the Red Hood. It's not a Superman versus the Elite. But it's easily the strongest of the last like three or four they've done. Yeah, and I think that is because it's not focusing on Batman. Yeah, that helps. Whereas like the last what five or so have like been all exclusively Batman stories. Even the. Justice League ones have all been pretty Batman. Yeah. Whereas this one, like, he's he's barely in it. 
he is barely in it, and that's that's nice. You know, it's funny too, and I'm sure you caught this that you know these animated movies are still these new shared universe animated movies are so entrenched and ensconced in the new 52 in like costuming and characterization and everything. I honestly laughed when I saw Superman in his costume and Wonder Woman in her costume. Like, haha, you're not going to be dressed like that anymore because it came out literally the same week that DC Rebirth happened. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, wow. See, I knew this was gonna happen. The comics are backing down from New Fifty Two changes, and the animated universe is stuck with it. Yeah, no. Well, I think they're like getting ready to change because I like too. noticed the Superman one. He's got that belt that he has in um, Justice League of America. Yeah, and that's that's the one he got when once like I think DCU started up. So I think like in the next couple of ones they're going to change back to like the rebirth ones. I think they have to is the thing. Well, well, heck, the team that we're seeing here in Justice League versus Teen Titans is the team that's going to be in the new rebirth book. Yeah. So I mean, I already think they're backing Dan from like guys. Just, just I already think they're having to have a looser continuity too because in the beginning of the movie they fight the Legion of Doom for the first time, even though they made a big deal about Lex Luthor coming out at the end of Throne of Atlantis. Yeah. And here they're treating it like they've known Lex Luthor forever and I'm like good. Just just slowly but surely just drop just drop this whole shared universe new 52 <laughs> crap and just go back to just making good movies. Yeah, I remember I also like said this uh I think on Twitter like I was watching it and then like the little fight between Superman and Lex Luthor happened. I'm like whoever was voicing Lex Luthor doesn't suit Lex Luthor at all. No. I don't know who was voicing it, but he made him sound like some, like, New Yorker. <laughs> hey, friggin' Superman, what you doing over here? That's exactly how he sound. <laughs> hey, you friggin' son of Krypton, you're pissing me off and everything. I'm trying to run a, <laughs> trying to run a legitimate business over here, you alien fanook. <laughs> I'm Lex Luthor, get out of here with that shit. <laughs> Yet still not the worst Lex Luthor that we saw that week. <laughs> Maybe that's another uh, reason I really love Justice League versus Teen Titans, where I'm like, wow, color, wow, characterization, wow, people not afraid to tell a story about teens and shit. <laughs> like, it really was a teen-centric story. It, like they, it was. Like, it they was. go to the circus and they play Dance Dance Revolution. Yeah, that that's like, yeah, you wouldn't see that anywhere else. Nope, and they have a Sailor Moon transformation scene. Oh, good. <laughs> that made me laugh when Starfire did too. a Sailor Moon transformation. <laughs> and then Blue Beetle and uh, Beast Boy do one too, and I'm like, well, that came out of nowhere, but all right, I'm down. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that one was creepy. You know what else I like about that movie? I haven't done my review yet. I'll probably, my review will either come out the same day as this or the next day. I like what they do with Cyborg in this, and that is the Teen Titans go, Cyborg, you make no sense on the Justice League. Please come and hang out with us. <laughs> yeah, bring us pizza. Yeah, and Cyborg's like, yeah, you know, I'd like to be part of a team where, you know, where I'm not treated like the boy, where I'm not treated like the new kid, but, ah, it's hard to go down from the big leagues to developmental. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather be benched on a AAA team in the major leagues. <laughs> It's like, sorry guys, the new 52 says I'm in this team. <laughs> I like his reasoning. He was like, I'd rather be a minor player in the playoffs than, you know, than to be a starting forward in the developmentals. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, that's that's fair enough, Cyborg. That's fair enough. <laughs> which, which leads me to the question, like, do, do, do they pay you more on the Justice League? Or so? do, do you get paid, period? <laughs> <laughs> what benefits are there? Like, 
is there dental or something? That's or? why he stays. The Justice League of America has an amazing dental policy for everybody. <laughs> Dude, I get vision, I get dental, I get drugs, I get it all. Yeah, a mechanic comes in to service me every month. And, and then another mechanic comes in to service me, finger quotes. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. <laughs> It's a good time. Also, friggin' John Bernthal, the Punisher, was the voice of Trigun in that movie. Yeah, I, yeah, I noticed that after, when the credits were rolling. Like, holy shit, that's not, pretty not, cool. Not that you could tell because they put the monster filter on his voice, so it could really be anybody. But it was John Bernthal. <laughs> it was Shane. Uh, um. Oh, did uh, did you catch like the stinger they actually put at the end of the movie? That's another thing I liked about this movie. The stinger actually made sense and actually got me excited. Yeah, it was it was a nice little, little stinger as well. Uh, hey, spoiler everyone! It was freaking Terra. Freaking Terra showed up at the end. Yeah. Which of course is referencing arguably the greatest Teen Titans story ever told, the Judas Contract. And unlike Justice League War and Throne of Atlantis, when those were over, I'm like, God, I don't ever want to see this team again. I really don't want to see this universe continue. I liked the Teen Titans team in this movie so much, I would really like to see their adventures continue. And yeah, I would like to see an adaptation of the Judas Contract with these characters. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I would I would happily watch that. So I mean, geez, I, I hope this movie does good, and I hope it gets supported. Actually, uh, d just to toot my own horn a little bit here, when I uh, tweeted about how much I liked it and uh, how much I thought it was better than the last four, you know who actually favorited one of my tweets? Hey, James Tucker. Ah, uh, that's cool. The producer. Yeah, Tori's like, I'm glad you liked it. I'm like, thank you for liking my like, James Tucker. <laughs> That was that was good. I respect that. So yeah, I mean, look, look, things look to be turning around for DC in the comics, and they look to be turning around for the animated universe too. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I I really wonder what's gonna be the next one because it's like really how do you how do you follow something like uh like Killing Joke? Uh, another Batman movie. Yeah, yeah, another Batman movie, another Justice League movie. Is how we're how we're gonna do it. Yeah, that that seems to be a thing. Like, I liked it before when we'd get like a Green Lantern or a Superman or a Wonder Woman. But now it's just like Green Lantern, and now it's like Batman, Justice One, League, Batman, Justice League, Justice League, and then and Teen then, Titans. <laughs> well, it's like, but then but then we'll throw one in there. We'll throw you for a loop, like for one in there. We'll do a Teen Titans one in there, or we'll do a Killing Joke, or we'll do like a crazy uh, Bruce Tim reimagining of the whole universe. Yeah, oh yeah, Gods and Monsters. Gods and Monsters. See, Gods and Monsters had like this huge push coming in, but then it's like when it finally, when it was over, it's like, do we really remember Gods and Monsters that much? No. And it had like, yeah, it had like comic tie-ins and it had, like shorts and stuff. It and... had so much tie-in and it ultimately, ultimately amounted to nothing. Yeah. That is, of course, until we find out that Bruce Tim is coming at us with Gods and Monsters too. <laughs> <laughs> the monstering <laughs> the monstering the monstering M mo money mo monsters <laughs> that's what it's gonna be called uh oh speaking of funny jokes i don't know if you saw it i retweeted it but a fan uh here here l l l let me get your name let me actually give you credit i'm terrible at giving credit where credit is due because i never save anything uh, remember last week for DC Rebirth when we were pissing and moaning or i was pissing and moaning about Roy Harper's stupid hat yeah. Uh, well, a fan did something really funny. They actually drew me a little picture. Uh, what is it here? Let me let me find it. 
uh, oh, everyone's tweeting at me with wrestling stuff. Because <laughs> it was mania. Yeah, here we go. Uh, oh, damn, I had it and I lost it. Yeah, here we go. Uh, Kyle the Comic Nerd drew me a little picture. It's 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 a it's a trucker cap, a red arrow next to it, and a little tag saying "To Cape Joel from Scott Lobdell." Heard you love that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? That's too good a joke for even uh, Scott Lobdell to do. Scott Lobdell oh. wouldn't go that far. But thank you for doing a better joke than that. <laughs> that's great if, if scott Lovedell had the guts he'd send me a a petty trucker cap and be like here you go and i would wear that hat with pride <laughs> i'd wear that hat and i'd turn it around backwards to look even more like a tool <laughs> uh the uh the only other real piece of news to come out uh this week was we got a little bit more information on the next big spider-man event which is dead no more yeah, it seems, I guess it's Doc Ock coming back. It's it's basically every dead Spider-Man character coming back. Gwen Stacy, George Stacy, DeWolf, basically everyone who's ever died. Uh, it looks, uh, uh, Kane or whichever one of the Spider-Clones was dead, they're coming back. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it looks, yeah, everyone who's ever died in Spider-Man's life is coming back. Now, this won't take place until, like, issue 19, but from what I understand, it's Dan Slott and a new artist finally following up on that story of the weird guy in the red suit who's seemingly going around and recruiting different Spider-Man villains. Uh-huh. We saw him recruit Rhino. We saw him recruit uh, the Lizard. And basically his thing is, come work for me, come kill Spider-Man, and I will bring your loved ones back from the dead. Huh, cool. Which makes me think, like, so he's the devil, right? So it's it's Mephisto. yeah, he's Mephisto. It's, it's, it's Mephisto. This can only be Mephisto, so it's Spider Man versus Mephisto, right? <laughs> Is Spider Man gonna go make a deal with him? See, that's got to be the thing. He's got to be building up to Spider Man going no and finally fixing that, and Spider Man finally beating the devil. <laughs> <laughs> This is what it's got to be. This is what Dan Slott has been building up to. Spider-Man versus the devil versus Satan versus El Diablo. <laughs> Spider-Man just pulling out crosses in holy water. Spider-Man dressed like a priest. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ <laughs> compels you. Satan, eat my dick. <laughs> just shouting it at him repeatedly. <laughs> And all the magic heroes are like, you know, we could help you out with this Spider-Man. No, I'm cool. I got this. <laughs> Just webbing up uh, crosses all over the place and onks to keep Devil back. <laughs> <laughs> And the devil's just like, oh, I'm going to get that Spider-Man one of these days. I hate that he made me take a bad deal about his marriage or something. Wait, why am I angry at him again? I don't, I don't even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be some shit that Spider-Man fights the devil and the devil taunts him with the fact of being like, yeah, you, you traded your marriage. Don't you remember that? <laughs> yeah, do you remember? I have it right here. <laughs> and Spider-Man's like, no, I don't remember. In fact, no one in the Marvel Universe remembers. <laughs> but the fans remember, though. <laughs> they never forget. That, that, that would be, like, the ultimate thing for that story, to have Spider-Man finally confront Doc Ock again in his first big story, but also to confront the devil about his marriage, and hopefully if Dan Slott is a good writer, and I think he is, to finally put that shit to bed. Yeah, I think he would. To finally bury it out back next to Walt Disney's frozen head. <laughs> Which is the only place you can bury stuff. <laughs> uh, and uh, with that, I guess that's all the news for this week. Uh, well, we, we talked much longer than I thought we were going to for only having a couple stories. Yeah, I know. 
Uh, now, I guess from here, before we get into what we read this week, I will give Matt a chance because I already had a chance to uh, to talk about Daredevil. Obviously, we kind of had to bump it a week because Batman v Superman happened. And, uh, oh, hey, uh, th- thank you all the fans who commented in the comment section and everything for being cool and understanding and not blowing your top. That probably had to be one of the most civil comment sections that I've seen for such a topic. Oh, yeah, god damn. Like, I expected my review, like, oh, here comes the hate, and everyone's like, no, no, fuck that film. I think, I think we've worked on the internet long enough now that people know what we're about and know our deal. I appreciate that. In fact, I was on, you know, other podcasts for other shows where the comment section got much more rowdy and much more like you think it would. So thank you, comic multiverse fans. Our, 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 our verses are, I, we don't have a name for you yet, but thank you for being cool. <laughs> you uh, you guys all get thumbs up. Good job. Here's the sound of me doing a thumb up. <laughs> it's just, you you can't hear it. the the Yeti doesn't have the technology to pick up thumbs up, <laughs> and that's what's happening. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Daredevil. Uh, what did you think, Matt? Uh, I know we had like a little mini talk in episode seven, but that was I it. thought it was pretty awesome. Me too. Uh, it was really well paced as well, better oh, than yes. season one than the season one was. Uh, we got like a comic now with arcs, as we had mentioned before. Yeah, and it makes even sense since this was kind of like a crossover team-up sort of series. It was. This is like this is like proto-Defenders, basically. It kind of was. And, you know, allow me to, and pardon the pun here, play devil's advocate. How did you feel for two seasons in a row now? Poor Charlie Cox is once again overshadowed by another actor. In the first season, it was Vincent D'Onofrio, and here he gets overshadowed by John Bernthal. Uh, I'm okay with it. I like Charlie Cox as well. I like his, his role as Matt Murdock. He, he, he does a perfectly fine job, but it's got to bum him out every season. Everyone's raving about the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it probably does a little bit, but at the same time, he's like, I don't care. I get to play fucking Daredevil. That's true. I'm the lead, motherfucker. It's my name up there on top. Yeah, it's my name on the posters. <laughs> I get top billing, fools. Never forget. Um, but yeah, in saying that, like, the Punisher in this was absolutely amazing. They they nail absolutely him. amazing. They nail him super hard. John Bernthal, like every speech, every fight scene, they really nail the damaged veteran aspect of his character, and they don't turn him into like a revenge movie cliche. No, no, they don't. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. Like I guess he's maybe coming back for a season three or maybe Defenders or getting his own show. Oh, you would think they would have to spin him off. They left so much stuff hanging What with uh, what happened to him during the war and the microchip disc he pulls out. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see where he turns up next. He might even turn up in, like, Luke Cage or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be really interesting. And also, like... Like, Kingpin came back as well. Oh, yeah, for an amazing two-episode arc where you're like, can he stay, though? He's so good. Can he yeah. stay? <laughs> that, that arc was so good. He's, like, running the prison. Man, when, they, when Matt comes in and they fight in the prison and you think he's handcuffed, but he's not, and he stalks him in the jaw and everything, he's like, oh, yeah, it's a boxer, son. Yeah, and, and like the prison guards don't do anything because he's mm. bought them all off, and yep. yeah, oh, it's so a, good. I, I'm sure you caught this too, the amazing bit when Matt is threatening Kingpin, and he says, you know, uh, I will do everything in my legal power to keep your love, Vanessa, from coming back to New York, and I know that'll ruin you because you'll have to choose between the city you love and the woman you love, and the fact is you'll always come back here. You may visit yeah. her, but New York is as big a part of you as it is to me. 
and yet Matt will go on to contradict himself when talking with Electra later and go, no, we can run away from the city. We can be together, you and me, happy <laughs> forever. I'm like, oh, you lie, Matt. You are lying to her. You are lying to us. You're lying to yourself. <laughs> that was great. Electra in this was also really great as well. You see, I'm a little conflicted on Electra, believe it or not, because she's so not the character from the comic. They really change her motivation, her history, and in doing so, kind of change the character. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. Then again, like a lot of these characters, they kind of play the, well, she's not really the Electra you know until the last episode. That's true, yeah. It's the same as like season one of Daredevil. He wasn't daredevil technically until the last episode yeah because i mean like so much of electra deals with the fact that you know her father the greek ambassador whatever murdered by terrorists she joins the hand to get revenge meets matt again later on in life and then you know they meet again as foes the show changes it around by being like oh well she was a student of stick too and her first meeting with matt was actually engineered by stick and i'm like oh well it sounds like she really has no agency in the story then is what you're telling me it sounds like everything she did from the beginning to the end was manipulated by other people that blows yeah well i think that there's a little bit more to that as well uh, i think we'll get get a little bit more of that from the next season or whenever I she hope. appears next. Well, uh, I guess she is going to appear somehow because she got sealed in that weird blood vial thing. Yeah. So I guess she's going to be like host for whatever the defenders fight. Maybe. Yeah, I guess so. They definitely seem to be setting up the hand ninjas as possibly being the bad guys for the defender show. They definitely seem like a group that you need a bunch of people to fight. Yeah, I'm okay with that, because the hand in this season was pretty damn dope. They were, man. Talk about great undead magic ninjas. Yeah, like the, that fight, I think it was in like one of the last episodes where they're fighting on the rooftop. Oh, and when they fight in the sewer, too. Yeah, oh, yeah the, the sewer fight was great, where, where, where Matt can't see them or sense them or anything, but he has to sense them from, like their breath and like mm -hmm. their weapons moving and everything what a i thought that was great what a great balancing act the show does that in a series that is filled with you know like you know gritty law procedural and you know gritty uh like v crazy veteran shooting criminals you also have magic ninjas and it all makes sense yeah it, it also goes like along with like the mcu in general because like so far we've only seen like aliens and like people with iron suits and stuff mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. that and now they're introducing magic in doctor strange later on this year so it's like perfect timing as well uh, there was a lot of good timing across the board i liked the uh da lady who was kind of a secondary antagonist how she's running for mayor on an anti-superhuman anti-vigilante ticket just in time for civil war yeah oh, she was a bitch she was she was a great bitch i just i just like kept praying like oh god Please, Frank, come and shoot her. Please. Please let this be the episode where she dies. Please let this be the episode. <laughs> remember, Frank, remember what she did to you. <laughs> and in a weird way, Matt, you got what you wanted. I did. <laughs> uh, only after, like, Foggy, like, chewed her out a bunch of times. Yeah, really. Man, Foggy really grew a pair this season in a meaningful way. I know, I, I've seen, like, people say, oh, I don't like Foggy, I don't like Foggy. I'm like, why? He's, he's like us. Exactly, that's why people don't like You don't like Foggy because Foggy reflects stuff in yourself you don't like. Because, face it, if you were in this situation, you wouldn't be Matt Murdock, you would be Foggy. We'd all be Foggy. <laughs> foggy is all of us. 
Yeah, everyone is foggy, yeah. Everyone is foggy. Hashtag everyone is foggy. <laughs> <laughs> Start that hashtag, put that on shirts, everyone is foggy. <laughs> you, you know that saying, you know, when you look into the abyss, the abyss looks back at you? Well, guess what? When you look at foggy, foggy looks back at you. <laughs> Uh, man, someone send that to the actor, see if he likes that. (laughs) (laughs) He he probably will be too busy reading it because he does charity hockey tournaments for kids, because that's what he does when he's not being an actor. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, ain't ain't that some shit? You know, he kind of does stuff that Foggy would do in real life. Uh, (laughs) Anything else you had to say on the matter? Uh, not really. It was damn good show. Yeah. Uh, Daredevil was cool and continues to be cool. And uh, oh man, that stinger for Luke Cage. Yeah, that was really awesome. That was. Co- I I like the use of rap music, showing that this sh- series isn't gonna sound the same and act the same as everything else. This is something yeah. totally different. Yeah, that's great, and it looks it looks to be a bit more upbeat as well. Yeah, as as a Luke Cage show should be. Yeah, dude. I'm guessing that him and Iron Fist are gonna be a bit more upbeat than the Dark gritty jessica jones and daredevil Mm -hmm. their lives aren't nearly as miserable no (laughs) that's true man i love and i know we've talked about this before how great is it that the first images of luke cage that we saw was a black man running in new york with a hoodie on fighting corrupt police officers (laughs) uh that was great (laughs) luke cage mm -mm, this is one black man you can't shoot Oh God. Imagine if they built a whole season around that, like racial tension in America. Honestly, I think that would be a perfect place for a Luke Cage show to be. I think they're probably going to do a little bit of that. Yeah, because like, they they done they they're not they've shown that they're not too scared to go into hot topics like with Jessica Jones totally, and the whole yeah. rape sort of thing. Yeah, so, yeah, if you can do that in Jessica Jones, I think you owe it to yourself to you know tackle some to tackle you know race in America with Luke Cage. Yeah, it'd be great. It would be good, man. I mean, I mean, like, so many of his stories were kind of about that, too. I'm sure there would be a lot of stuff to draw upon. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be interested to see what they do with Luke Cage's villains, because Luke Cage doesn't have a lot of A villains. In fact, in that new Iron Fist and Power Man uh, book, they kind of make fun of, uh, of some of Luke Cage and Iron Fist lesser villains. <laughs> I, I think he'll just be maybe fighting gangs. Probably. I think... I think the dude from Sons of Anarchy, Theo Rossi, I think he's going to be Cottonmouth in it. Okay, cool. But, but I don't think he's going to be like a big snake man, and I think Black Mariah is going to be it in it too, but even in the comics, Black Mariah was just a big Oprah-looking lady. <laughs> <laughs> and she's back now also being the same character, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, so I guess from that we can transition over into what we read this week. This was a light week, so I told Matt if he wants to, you know, uh, stretch things out a little bit, he can happily go back to stuff he liked from last week to talk about. Because I think I only had like four or five books this week, which was good because I had shit from last week that I needed to get out because I was doing so many supplementary videos like Daredevil and like uh, Batman v Superman review. Yeah, well, like the only comics I had this week were, I think, uh, standoff tie-ins. Yeah, I had a bunch of those this week too. I think that was about it. And I guess we'll start off with the big one that happened. Then that was the the Captain America one. Yes, the must-read one because, of course, the Captain America book is written by Nick Spencer, and Nick Spencer is the architect of this whole standoff event. So definitely, if you're reading anyone, his is the one you need to read. 
Yeah, and this one was even bigger because it was the 75th anniversary It issue. was, with backup stories by Greg Rucka and Joss Whedon, which I didn't read. Really, this is two comics for the price of one because you get your standoff time, then you get what is basically the zero issue for the new uh, Steve Rogers Captain America book that's going to be coming later. Yeah, now I, I didn't read that one, the, you, the Greg Rucka one. I read the Joss Whedon one. Uh, I didn't read either of those because I was on a tight schedule, so I just read the two that mattered. <laughs> The J- Joss Whedon one was amazing. I bet it was. Yeah, uh, uh, basically what happens in it is it, it's set in World War Two, and Cap is with his men trying to uh, liberate a European town, and a big tank rolls in. I think it's like a hydro tank or like a big Nazi mm. tank, and his shield gets shattered. Oh, he's using that old school shield. Oh, right, the one that looks like a knight shield, not the big circular one. Yeah, it, get, it gets shattered and everything, and while this is all going down, it's also parallel story to a like he's back from that fight you know his shield's just been broken and they're trying to like get, get him these pr department are trying <laughs> to get him a new shield or like a new weapon or something so they make him this thing called the American and it's this <laughs> big like american gun with like the star on it and everything and and cap doesn't want any of that shit he just sort of i want my shield back yeah and it's like, cause, and he's like, why? This is a gun. You can shoot people with it. And and he says, oh, what's he say? He says something about like, it's not about that. It's about what the shield stands for. Exactly. And it and it's intercut with him saving people. Like he doesn't have his shield. He saves. He destroys the tank, and he's saving people with like this big pillar of concrete that he's using as a shield now. <laughs> so it it's oh so good it's, it's talking about the symbology of captain america yeah. and why that's important that's cool yeah, it's so good the, the main story stuff mostly dealt with uh sam wilson captain america finding his way to pleasant hill joining forces with bucky barnes and trying to fight their way closer to the secret of what's going on with kobeck and all the supervillains and everything yeah in uh, uh, meanwhile captain america is getting punched around by crossbones he is getting destroyed by crossbones like when you start reading that story his face has literally been smashed to pieces by crossbones yeah it, it doesn't help that he's like an 80 year old man yeah. as well and yet even when he's old steve rogers continues to fight and continues to hang in there he says everything short of what he says in the movie which is like i could do this all day yeah it, it, oh, it's so great it is great, and you know it's even better because before that, of course, Baron Zemo, being the freaking Bond villain that he is, is like, "Nah, I could kill you, Captain America, but no, that would be too easy. I want to expose you and Shield's misdoings to the world, so I will let you go this time." Yeah, and cuts off an accountant's head and to show uh, that he's serious, and sends Father Patrick with yeah. them. Yeah. What a what a great reveal with Father Patrick. I'm I'm surprised Steve didn't pick up on this because everyone in this small like Pleasantville town is a supervillain and Father Patrick helps out Captain America, helps save Maria Hill's life. It's only at the end does he remember who he is. Yeah, and he's Red Skull. He's the friggin' Red Skull and he's like, "Good go here, Rogers." Yeah, I I, I was wondering cuz I haven't been keeping up with this comic whether like cuz I know they'll Though someone was like looking for Red Skull, that was in Uncanny Avengers. They were oh, all okay. looking for Red Skull, and I didn't mention in my review, but it doesn't line up actually. <laughs> no, I was gonna say it doesn't really line up, does it? Because like in Uncanny Avengers, like in the issue before their tie-in, Deadpool goes to Wrecker of the Wrecking Crew, 
and pays yep. him a bunch of money to be like, okay, you go hit the streets, go find out what you can, and I, and I won't take you to jail this time. And we find out that Red Skull and his daughter Sin are actually shacked up in Avengers Mansion, which has been turned into like a tourist trap. Yeah, and then uh, the Wrecking Crew, Wrecker, goes and destroys the Avengers Mansion. Yeah, exactly. And and no one knew he was there, but then we flash forward an undetermined amount of time later, and Wrecker got arrested, and I guess Red Skull got arrested too, because he's there in Pleasant Hill, even though he really shouldn't be. Yeah. I think I think that was Nick Spencer just being like, look, do you want this badass moment where through the fire and the flames, the priest becomes Red Skull? Yes. Okay, then forget about continuity for a second, and I'll well, give you this cool-ass moment. Well, maybe, like, one of them isn't the real Red Skull. That's, that's quite possible, because there's a lot of what's going on with Red Skull in the Uncanny book that doesn't make a lot of sense and doesn't quite add up. Yeah, well, at least he's back now, and I guess Wolverine can have his go at him as well. Yeah, I guess so. I guess that explains that, doesn't it, for Old Man Logan, because Red Skull's on his hit list, too. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be pretty cool. But yeah, he, he turns up, and then Steve gets turned back into a young man by Kobik. Yeah, Kobik uses her amazing god mod cosmic cube abilities to make him young again. And, and that's a really cool scene where Crossbones is about to kill him with the, the shield and he like just stops it and just beats the shit out of Crossbones. Oh I yeah, he, he lets him have it and you, know, and you don't feel bad because Brock Rumlow is a piece of shit. He is, he is. Like here was a guy who was beating up on a senior citizen and had no, <laughs> and was literally enjoying himself too much. Yeah, uh, that it's, was great. It's a great moment too, you know, because everyone is slowly changing back into themselves and like it was, he was like a trucker. Before and he's like, oh, you know, g g Captain, you, you got to go help. Someone's trapped under under a piece of farm equipment. And then he slowly remembers himself, and he's like, ah, yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I got to beat your ass. Yeah. That's. I just remembered. <laughs> I just remembered. I'm a terrible person, and now it's time to beat up this senior citizen. <laughs> it's a, it's a great moment. It's great to have a uh, Steve back, and oh boy, just in time for his movie. Isn't that funny how that happens? Yeah, yeah that's so coincidence, you know? Coincidence, I think not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, uh, that that was a great issue. That was, that was good stuff. Uh, it's so good, it made me feel bad that I haven't been reading Nick Spencer, Captain America. Same, same. I, I read it and thought, oh, this is a damn good book. Because I know Remember's run was long and weird with Steve, like, jumping dimensions. Yeah. And then he wrote yeah. a little of Sam Wilson's Falcon, then Nick Spencer took over it, and he made it more of a political satire, which, honestly, I mean, how come no one's done that with Captain America before? Yeah, yeah. You figure he would be the perfect tool for it, because he's basically just a walking, talking flagman. Yeah. And I like Sam, too, in his book. He's just like, you know what? I'm getting pretty sick of everyone always calling <laughs> into attention. He's like, not my Captain America. You know, I didn't vote for him. And Sam's like, I'm getting really sick of this shit, guys. Yeah, yeah. he, like, stops, like, Green Skull. And it's like, yeah, I stopped him. Are you guys happy? And they're like, no, we are still black and yeah. not my Captain America. <laughs> which, which is funny because he's feeling what I'm sure a certain sort of reader is feeling, too, that they keep drawing attention to the fact where it's like, well, just, just tell stories. And it's like, well, we want to just tell stories, but unfortunately... <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately, some people won't let us. So, yeah, that was, that was good stuff. I like that one. What, uh, what else did you have happening, Matt? Uh, this week I had Obi-Wan and Anakin issue three. Crap, that's the only one I didn't read. I got caught up on <laughs> so much stuff and I didn't read that one. Damn, damn, damn. It was pretty good. They they find out that Anakin 
like like the the people of this world that that they're with in this space blimp thing mm-hmm. uh they find out that Anakin can fix things like he's good with fixing stuff and everything so they think that he can fix the world he he he, uh, like did, he did build a C3PO as a child so yeah and, uh so finding that out they kidnap him they throw away his lightsaber again <laughs> and and kidnap him and blow up the blimp that Obi-Wan is on well damn and all while this is happening, we get, like, uh, flashbacks to him and Palpatine out in the nightclubs. Right, yeah, him and Palpatine taking him for creepy back rubs and wine coolers. <laughs> yeah, he takes him to this club, and it's this club that you can get anything and anyone you know, for a price. Uh, so Anakin's asking, like, why doesn't the Republic step in and help? And Palpatine says, well... 90% of the clients here are Republic senators, so mm. can't really do anything about it. And he, he points out this senator that's using his planet's money to gamble with okay. instead of using it for, like, aid and everything. Uh, and Anakin uses his force abilities to make the guy lose. And, yeah, it was sort of like him sort of being hinted at the dark side and everything. Right. Which I thought was really cool. And it builds on that whole relationship we never saw in the movies. Like, suddenly Anakin and Palpatine are friends in episode two. <laughs> we never saw why, and now we know why. They're, like, going out to nightclubs together. Yeah, they're, they're, they're hanging out, you know. They're going to go back to his place to eat pizza and play Xbox. Yep. <laughs> Whatever the future Star Wars equivalent of Xbox is. That, that table that's in the Millennium Falcon. Oh, of course, they're going to play Monster Chess. <laughs> Man, how come no one has made that yet? All of our technological advancements in science, and no one has actually made that a thing yet. I don't know. <laughs> that's some bull- scientists who listen to this show, and I assume that's many get to work on that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so stop your work on you know the CERN Hadron Collider. Yes, yeah, so stop trying to find cures this. for cancer and AIDS and everything and solving world hunger. Just just make me monster chess. <laughs> Make me monster chess is the new version of make me a hoverboard or make me self-lacing Nikes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they've already been done. Yeah, really, they've been done. So I mean, come on, get to get to work on the real shit. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. I'll have to I'll have to catch up on that one. That one and Kanan are like the two books that I am regularly reading, and I don't want to fall behind those the same way I fell behind well, Vader and main Star Wars. It's funny you should talk about Kanan, because Kanan had its final issue oh, as that, well. Oh, really? This was the I haven't read it yet, and it's the last one. Yeah, issue 12 was its final issue. Really? Really? How come it's the last one? I don't know. I guess like they figured out that we can't really tell many more stories without encroaching in on Rebels. Yeah, because and... we've literally told his entire origin and then some... I guess that's was mainly the whole point of this series as well, just to give Ezra, uh, Kanan a little bit of background. Right. But uh, yeah, twelve issues uh, mini series is pretty good. It is, and, and the ending was good. I don't want to spoil it for you, but it was really nice, really nice ending. But I want more though. <laughs> <laughs> well, Poe Dameron comic starts this week. That's so. true. That'll probably be pretty great. And you know, there's a whole plethora of shit to fill in with Poe Dameron. I mean, come on, I actually rewatched the movie not too long ago, and they said, that, you know, he was the best Rebel pilot. And I'm like, okay, well, tell us the story of how he became the best Rebel pilot then. Yeah, and now they are. <laughs> and now they are. Uh, shit, I guess I can talk about some of the stuff I read. I, I liked having you go because we're reading so many of the same books now. Yep. 
See, this is why the comic multiverse has leveled up because Matt and I read a lot of the same books during the week now so we can have more in-depth conversations than we ever used to before. It's true. It's true. Uh, oh, Batman and Robin Eternal had its final issue this week. Yeah, I didn't read that. Solid ending. <laughs> you know, I, I know you've probably been bumming on a lot of the Batman books. I think you would enjoy Batman and Robin Eternal because, yet again, it's not really about Batman. That sidekicks. It's, it's about all the sidekicks. It's about all yeah. of them, past, present, new and old. It's funny. I've been a real champion of Harper Row over the years, but I noticed a lot of people in the comment section turn against Harper Row in this story. Really? Yeah, a lot of them don't like her. They don't like that she's stealing focus from the other sidekicks. They didn't like the fact that ultimately Batman and Robin Eternal was a story about her. But I say, well, that's kind of the point. It was a story about all sidekicks, and she was just the newest one going through what Dick, Tim, and Jason all had gone through before her. Yeah, so it makes sense like she would be sort of the 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 main character since we know all these other characters we don't know a lot about her right that she's the focus and in a way this is kind of like the this is like the exclamation point to her story because at the end of it she decides you know what my life has been puppeteered by batman by mother by all these other people everyone's been telling me what to do and what to be I'm actually going to take my life into my own hands. I'm not going to keep being a superhero right now. I'm going to go to college and I'm going to be an electrical engineer. Yeah, that's cool. I like that, you know, because you know what? That's the choice that Batman never made. That's the choice that's always been presented, Batman, to where it's like, you know, you can stop. You know, you don't have to do this. And obviously, Batman will always say no and always keep being Batman. I think it's refreshing and quite mature for characters to be like, you know what? I can do good in this world without a costume. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's why I really like the end of David Zavimbi as Batwing, where he's like, no, I want to be, I forget what he wanted to be, if he wanted to become a lawyer or a politician. He wanted to become something, and he said, you know what, I can do more good in Africa outside the costume than I could in it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a very mature thing to realize, that you can do better without it. Yeah, that's that's great. And and in real life, you know, we, we can't be Batman, but in real life we could do stuff like Zavimbi and Harper Rowe. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a nice message to send. Also, oh my god, friggin' The Midnighter. Wow, did he ever get booked super strong in this finale and in the last issue of Grayson. <laughs> yeah? Oh my god, you see, you'll, you'll probably want to read it just for this. So both in the newest issue of Grayson and in the final epi or issue of Batman and Robin Eternal, the Bat family starts getting beat up too hard by bad guys, and they're like, man, this is really rough, what do we do? And Dick Grayson's like, I know, I'll call the Midnighter. So the Midnighter jumps through a portal and beats up all the bad guys for them in two different <laughs> issues. Oh, that's great. So basically, they've just put Midnighter over the Bat family and went, no, he's bigger and stronger and tougher than all of the Bat family. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And he's not getting a new book, though. Oh, Aww. Maybe he'll be in something else. Maybe he'll be in JLA. I keep saying if they're smart, fill Justice League of America with fan favorites who weren't going to get books anywhere else and then throw, like, fucking Batman and Superman on it, I guess. <laughs> I, again, I, I, ideal, ideal Justice League of America team would be Midnighter, of course, uh, Talon, because why not? Uh, Katana has a move. Oh, no, she's going to be on the squad, so she we, we don't want to double dip with her on teams. Uh, Blue Beetle has a... I would put Blue Beetle on that team, but he's already on it. 
or he's already going to be on a Titan. So I don't know, like uh, like Static and Grifter and just a bunch of people who are beloved by fans but don't have books. Oh, Booster Gold. Let's put Booster Gold on that team too. <laughs> Booster Gold can be the comic relief. Um, ooh, but we need some women then. Who, who, who are some women uh, who never quite made it who we can put on there? Uh, you put Huntress on there? Ah, she's already going to be in Birds of Prey, though. If it was before, uh, I would say. Um, what about some magical women? We'll put, like, Madame Xanadu and Zatanna on there. How about that? Yeah, that sounds good. We'll get some magic. We need, you need some women, and you need some magic muscle, so there you go. And then, I don't know, you'll put friggin' Superman on it or something. Ma- yeah. Mar- Martian Manhunter, because every, like, secondary Justice League team needs Martian Manhunter on it. <laughs> He's their Superman. He's their he, That's his lot in life. He just goes back and forth. Actually, someone told me something interesting. They're like, you know, how come none of these new teams have Shazam on it? Apparently, Shazam is going to be a supporting character in the Cyborg book. <laughs> Which, wow, that's got to be a real step down for you to be like, okay, Shazam, you get to be the supporting character in Cyborg. <laughs> oh my god. You get to be the supporting character to a character who's only ever been a supporting character. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if he were real, he'd be fuming. He'd be like, really, guys? Really? <laughs> uh... Uh, but yeah, that's, that's my Justice League of America team that I would build. Uh, what else did you have, Matt? Uh, I'm gonna look for my list. I'm gonna have to go back. It was a short oh. week, everyone. There wasn't a hell of a lot going on. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back. Oh, oh yeah, th- these are the one- two I want to talk about together, and that's Superman, Wonder Woman 27, and Superman issue 50. Right. Oh, did, did, didn't you already talk about 50? I think you already talked about 50. I talked about Action Comics 50. Oh, right. Superman, Wonder Woman 27 didn't need to happen. That was a piece <laughs> of shit. Uh, it was basically just like, remember the. Vandal Savage children? Yeah, well, they all die. Oh, really? So even the Wonder <laughs> Twins died? Yep. Oh. <laughs> it's funny. They go like all Mr. Fantastic Goopy. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, they all die, and then Superman and Wonder Woman talk for a panel, and that's it. Um, uh, Superman 50 was pretty good. Uh, it's the ending of that whole Vandal Savage storyline. Uh, Vandal blows up. I, I looked in that comic's direction because you said this would be a good place to jump on. I started reading and I was confused as fucked, and I'm like, well, okay, uh, DC Rebirth number one it is then. <laughs> um, Actually, you know what? That's not true. I'll try and read Super League because apparently that's where New 52 Superman and Old 52 Superman are going to meet. So I'll try to read Super League. That starts this week, I it think. It does start this. What book does that start with? Uh, Superman 51. Okay. I'll try and pick um, that up then. <laughs> but yeah, Superman 50 was pretty good. There was a really cool moment where Superman uh, convinces Puzzler to help him, uh, which was a really cool moment. Uh, he like convinces Puzzler that he didn't kill Hordo because Hordo was still a human, even though he was like in a human in a robotic body. He still had a mind and everything, so that's why he didn't kill Hordo. Mm. And yeah, it was it was like a really cool Superman moment. Uh, and, yeah, at the end of it, Superman becomes Superman again. You know, his Clark Kent identity is still out. Uh, but, yeah, he just becomes Superman again off saving people in Metropolis. How uh, how do you feel about the theory that's going around right now? Everyone talking about uh, DC Rebirth and Jeff Johns saying, oh, uh, a character will die and a character you'll have never seen before will return. What do you think of people kicking around the theory that it's going to be New 52 Superman who dies so Old 52 Superman can literally take his place? <laughs> it's funny because, like, 
like probably about four weeks ago, me and Tom were talking about that. And I'm like, dude, what if they kill off New 52 Superman and Flashpoint Superman assumes his identity? It seems like they're going that way. <laughs> yeah, or they'll they'll do like the old like 1950s, 60s things where they'll have like Superman appear and then like Clark Kent will walk in the door and it'll be like, one will be Flashpoint Superman, the other one will be New 52 Superman, just to sort of like, what, they're different people? Just, well, even to put that further, because I'm sure you read the solicitations like I did, they say, and when a new Clark Kent shows up, so there's going to be a third Clark Kent thrown into this mix now too? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like really confused. Like, I'm really interested to see like what, what they're going to do. Like, who is this new Clark Kent? Mm -hmm. Or like, maybe, maybe he is the Flashpoint Superman. Because he, cause he hasn't been, he's not called Clark Kent in Lois and Clark, he's called Clark White. Right. And then... So, like, yeah, I don't know. It's and then you get really the weird. extra weirdness of the super hyphen man, the Chinese Superman, who they say, they, they don't say get Superman-like powers, they say is imbued with the powers of Superman. Yeah, it's. I Which don't makes know, me hey. think: Does is old fifty two or is new fifty two Superman gonna die, and somehow his powers are gonna pass to this Chinese guy? <laughs> yeah, where where does Justice League of America fit in? That that's like Elseworlds, isn't it? We don't know yet, because like Superman died in that this week. So. Oh yeah, oh oh oh, you mean JLA number eight? No, that's yeah. ju that's just the last creativity over continuity book. Oh. Uh. Okay. And, and we knew he was going to die anyway because they literally foreshadowed that in, like, issue one, that that was part of the thing the Infinity Corporation was trying to stop. Yeah. yeah. And they're, they're going to stop it anyway because Green Lantern is still traveling through time and he's still in candor of the past, so you know that's going to get resolved. Yeah, true, true. What a, what a freaking long story that ended up being, the Justice League yeah. of America Rao yeah. story. It was a cool story, though. It was really cool. Oh, oh it is cool. And, you know, they're probably going to sell it as a great trade in the future. I can only imagine once this work is done, they're going to be like, you know, from superstar writer Brian Hitch comes this, this Justice League Rao story. Yeah, and an issue about Martian Manhunter. Yeah, and a fucking issue. Dude, you know what would make me buy that trade in an instant? And we, we took the Martian Manhunter story out that made no sense. I reckon that would just be a backup. We took out that Martian Manhunter story that was Martian Manhunter issue zero, but came out like three issues into Martian Manhunter. <laughs> I, I swear to God, it's like did they did they send the wrong comic out to the presses and no one caught it in time? <laughs> I think I uh, I don't know. I I think so. <laughs> what a what a weird one. But yeah, just the League of America, pretty cool. This was mostly an action issue, but it was a really cool action issue of seeing everyone fighting Rao at once. Yeah, it was pretty cool. They got Parasite in there as well. Uh, Aqu Aquaman stabs a man with a trident. <laughs> no, literally, that wasn't an Anchorman joke. Arthur literally stabs a man with a trident. <laughs> and then gets a laser facial for all of his trouble. Yeah. Oh, that was another one I read this week, Aquaman number 50. Pretty cool. Yeah, so it's, it's, they, they're like, we're sorry for the last couple of issues. It's a giant we're sorry. And Dan Abnett's like, okay, I'm just going to build my own universe now. <laughs> off the back it's like hey here's two brand new fbi agents who are going to be palling around with aquaman here's a brand new headquarters for aquaman the spindrift which is both his headquarters and a new atlantean embassy oh nice on dry land you know uh, aquaman's trying to solve a bunch of aquatic related murders which he's got to solve quickly because mira is hosting a bunch of delegates from the world governments and they want to put their best foot forward for atlantis 
Yep. There's a lot of cool ideas going on. Like if you if you weren't sure about Aquaman, you could literally jump in at issue 49 and be all good. Oh, uh, I'm probably gonna pick it up once it hits Rebirth. Mm. Well, it's it's well, here's the thing. It's gonna be the same story though. Dan Abnett said this. Is, I'm just continuing the same story. Oh, okay. I'm not stopping it. So you probably should pick up with 49 if you want to read Aquaman and keep going because this looks to be the story. Cool. Moving forward, yeah, Aqu- Aquaman, cool. The Brent, Brent Booth's art is a little weird. It's, it's a little iffy. Yeah. It's a little iffy, but beyond that, the writing is solid. Cool. It, it also kind of activates my gag reflex because it reminds me of uh, Teen Titans too much. Uh, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that ugly artwork, but oh well. Y- you can't <laughs> win them all, as it were. Uh, but what else did you have going on, Matt? Um, hmm, what did I have? I had, um, oh, I read the last issue of Com- uh, Hell and Commanders of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, yes, I read that one, too. Man, I was so into that one, and then it's like, oh, this is the last issue. Well, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I started getting into it and think, oh, this is a pretty cool series. I might actually pick this up. Oh, see you guys, this is the last issue. Oh, okay. It's like, man, what a cool team. Hit Monkey and Kid Abomination and uh, Agent Sitwell, who's a zombie, and life model decoys. This is cool. I like this. And we're done. Yeah, it was, it was a really cool story. Again, it was set in the Pleasant, Pleasant Hill, Hill yeah. event. Um, but I, I said this was kind of maybe the weakest one Yeah, you could it. It, you could argue that because it had the least to do with anything. What the Hound yeah. Commandos did ultimately had nothing, no impact on the overall story except for showing how powerful Kobik was. But we knew that anyway. Yeah, and as I said, they were trying to juggle too much. They were trying to juggle the finale of this book as well as the previous issue thing with um, Orgo getting trapped in. Mm-hmm. Pleasant Hill and the whole Pleasant Hill thing. That's that's got to be a real kick in the dick, being like, okay, here's your last issue. Say goodbye, but also tie into our event, fucko. Yeah, and the the way it ended as well made me think, like, oh, maybe these teams are going to appear in other books as well, because that the bad guy in the last issue, Kane, unleashed all their prisoners from stake. Yeah. So I guess they got to go round them up now. I guess. Yeah, it was kind of a sad like that it ended, but bitter, bittersweet yeah, is the way I would put it. Yeah, uh, I had Daredevil number five this week. Cool. Uh, the big finale of this first Charles Soul story, really cool ending. You know, with uh, Matt and his new apprentice saving the day, but also lying to each other the whole way. Oh, nice. Yeah, and Matt's like, you know, I'd love to call this kid on being dishonest, but come on, I'm Matt Murdock. Dishonesty is my stock and trade. <laughs> I'd be a giant hypocrite if I did it. Uh, also, uh, Ten Fingers, the crazy cult leader in this, is almost certainly killed by Elektra, and Elektra is going to be all over the next arc by the looks of it. Oh, uh, okay. So they're putting Daredevil and Elektra back together. How cool. Cool. Yep, that's uh, that's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, I'll do these two quick because they're kind of connected. Uh, Harley Quinn number twenty six. She gets a new villain called Red Tool, who's an old man with a tool uh, fascination, and his costume looks a little like Deadpool. <laughs> which which makes me wonder if that was always meant to be the play on words Red Tool yeah. Deadpool. Yeah. yeah, I think so. <laughs> I had to have fans point that out to me. I'm just like, oh, a new tool themed villain. <laughs> <laughs> Also, she dyes her hair blonde to look like her movie counterpart. Of course. And she gets the jacket, like from the movie. 
Of course. The only difference is, is where that jacket says property of on the back. This one says owned, and it's a picture of the Joker all beaten up. <laughs> nice. I'm like, okay, that's a nice touch. And when Harley gets her hair dyed, she's like, ooh, how cinematic. <laughs> so they're so at least they're self-aware. At least they make a joke about it. Yeah. And uh, the other one, which is also kind of Suicide Squad related and kind of funny too, um, uh, Suicide Squad most wanted Deadshot Katana, but I only read the Deadshot story because that's the only one I cared about. Uh, yeah. Deadshot goes up against Amanda Waller, starts fighting her, starts fighting his other team members. He gets shot to shit and actually paralyzed. Oh, okay. Is the thing, and he gets replaced by a new guy who was also a sharpshooter who happens to be black and who says that, uh, you know, that story you've been telling Deadshot your whole life, uh, the fake one from your Villains Month issue, yeah, that was actually my life story that you stole and co-opted. But guess what? Now that you're crippled, I'm going to become the new Deadshot. So he puts on the costume, only his is blue instead of red. Huh. And someone pointed out in the comment section, it's like, so Will Smith is Deadshot now? And I'm like, oh, I didn't even think of it that way, but okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Although I don't think this is going to have any effect in the other uh, Suicide Squad books. That is, of course, unless D DC Rebirth starts and that guy is dead shot and not Floyd. <laughs> yeah, he just, like, turns up as a black guy. <laughs> in which case, wow, what weird retconning where it's like, okay, so we made Floyd Lawton real, gave him back his original, uh, you know, original Old 52 story, and then replaced him with a new guy. <laughs> that would be weird, but I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> No, I wouldn't. I when, wouldn't. Whenever the movies get near the comics, weird stuff happens. It does. It does. It's like uh, adding Mentos and diet soda together. Weird shit happens. <laughs> and uh, and that's about everything I read this week. Uh, did you have anything else you want a lightning round off there, Matt? We're almost at an hour twenty, which is usually about how long these things go. Uh, I had Superman, Lois, and Clark issue six. Did I read that? I don't know if I read I, that. I, I, don't, I don't know if you read that. <laughs> so tell me what happened in it, and I'll remember. Uh, Clark goes looking for uh, Lois's book publisher. He got kidnapped by Mannheim's thugs. No, I didn't read uh, this. Shit. Uh, it was really cool. The way he found her was he got Lois to call her phone, and he hovered over San Francisco listening for her phone, oh. uh, her like message tone. Right. Uh, and then he finds her and rescues her and everything, and then when he's heading back home uh, to look after Lois and John, uh, that guy who was given that power armor to go on that reality TV show starts blowing stuff up. Oh, what a dick. And Yeah, yeah, no, but the thing is, this guy's innocent because this guy thinks that this is all, like, oh, part, of part of the, the show. show. Like, he's blowing up uh, one of the San Diego, uh, one of the San Francisco bridges, and uh, he's like, oh, this is so cool, all these new effects and everything. There's, like, cars plunging into the water and all this bad stuff happening, and Clark comes and stops him and everything, and then... Uh, yeah, John finds out that his dad's Superman, and dun, dun, dun. he gets his powers. Oh, nice, which we knew was going to happen if you saw the pages of Super Sun, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's really cool. Also, I was just looking at my comic pile. Yep, here it is. I, I, I missed it, but I'll read it tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Uh, next one is Sinestro 21. Right, this this one that's almost over. Uh, yeah, the Paling story is pretty much done for now. Um uh, Saranic is now in charge of the Sinestro Corps. Right. Uh, she helped Earth, and everyone on Earth loves the Sinestro Corps now because they <laughs> helped save Earth. Uh, even Superman likes them now. Uh, he, he, he like comes up to like uh, Sinestro and is like, "Hey, Sinestro, you're all right. You're all right. High five." <laughs> yeah, and 
uh, Sinestro leaves a member uh, of the core there as sort of like the Green Lantern version. Like, you know how Green Lantern has like... Right, of Sector or whatever, yeah. Yeah. He leaves one there and I think Saint Walker stays with him. Um, Because they're... Arkillo and Saint Walker are friends. Right. Um, some, that'd be a book I really want to see. For real. That, that's a buddy cop movie right there. And, uh, yeah, then they go back to Warworld where Mongol has broken free and wreaking havoc. Warworld, which will be playing a big part of the Rebirth storyline, apparently. Yeah, well, it's parked in Earth's orbit. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, that was a pretty cool book. Yeah, geez, I man, I wish I was all caught up on Green Lantern so I could read Sinestro. Sinestro sounds like so much fun. It is. Uh, was that it for you? Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, pretty much it for me, too. It was a light week this week. I know uh, next week we're all going to be excited because we got Poe Dameron and we got Black Panther. Yeah, oh, I've got a big week next week. Yeah, you got a lot of books to do. That's that's why I'm going to try and get out the last couple that I still have. I recorded audio before we started for Justice League of America, and I'm going to hope that to get that up tonight. Cool. So uh, I guess with that, everyone, we will uh, close out this... What, what was this? I think this was the ninth episode of the Comic Multiverse that we've done. Can you believe it, Matt? We're almost up to ten episodes. I know. We're going to have to do something special. We will. In fact, I was going to run this by you. Uh, if by the time we get to ten... Or, or maybe if we don't, I'm thinking maybe we'll do like a video episode for 10. Yeah, yeah. Think Because well, those are always fun to do, and I, I got to screw around with OBS and figure out how to work that shit at some point anyway, so why not? <laughs> let's, uh, let's do that, and here's hoping too, because I've been really lucky. Uh, our 10th episode, depending on how it works out, might actually coincide with me hitting 5K on YouTube, and when I do that, I'd actually like to give away some trades, I think. That's cool. cool. Yeah, I, I got some doubles. I got some Valiant Volume 2s that because I never had Volume 1, I'm probably not going to get to read. <laughs> and I got a double of uh, All-Star Superman, and I know that's a really important book that people should read. So I'm probably going to try and get something like that together. Cool. <laughs> it's funny. I thought to myself, too, I'm like, yeah, I should reward my fans by handing out some trades. And that's like, wow, I have fans who live all around the world. Man, that's going to cost me a lot on posting. <laughs> Tell you what, kids, if you want this comic, send Joel a self-addressed envelope. <laughs> and he'll send it back to you. <laughs> and I'll, I'll draw a picture of Dick Butt inside the comic and sign my name under it. <laughs> So you know it's good. <laughs> uh, and with that, everyone, this episode of the Comic Multiverse is coming to a close. As always, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, subscribe, favorite, do all that other social network jazz. Check out Matt's channel, which is... Fortress of Solitude. I keep meaning to link that in the chat every week, and every week I forget. Tell you what, Matt, you have permission to link it in the chat every week if you want, and anyone else who follows Matt can also <laughs> link it in the chat in the comment section down below if they want. Uh, also, if you just check my front page under, like, Friends of the Show, Matt's, Matt's like, number one on there. So go, go check Matt out and all of his stuff. Check out his Facebook page. I guess you can check out my Facebook page now. I'm starting to put more stuff up there more frequently. Um, cool. n nothing good, just, you know, just putting stuff up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you can do that, everyone. And uh, I guess I guess we'll see you next week, won't we? Yeah. Same comic multiverse time, same comic multiverse place. So be ready for that. Yeah, see ya. Yeah, bye-bye, everybody.